Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing. Uh, it's me, Stuart Roy Whiffin, and co host. Hello there, it's Christopher Glasson. No idea what that voice was for or where that came from. I know. No need for it. So, today's guest is Charlotte Hatherley. Yep. Um, Charlotte, very successful musician, um, former guitarist of Ash. Yeah, started young. Yeah. You know, took the world by storm. And Uh, still going as strong as ever and ahead of something very, very spectacular she's doing. She agreed to come to the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen and chat to us. And so thank you, Charlotte, for coming down. Thank you ever so much, um, Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen, for letting us use the space. Yep, shout out to our sponsor, Love Beer. Yep, and we do a big shout out to 76 who produces this and our camera lad gimp type man, Brad Acton. Let's not keep waffling on. Let's get on with the podcast. Enjoy. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Hello, Mr. Stuart Whiffin. Hello, you alright? I'm very well. Good, good. We are back in the Hobson Square Bar, and is it grill or kitchen? I never know. I think it's kitchen, mate. We promote it quite regularly. Yeah. But um, well, we're back here anyway. Yes. Um, it's not quite as snowy outside, but it was. Uh, it was a little bit fresher. We went and uh, yeah. got some uh, some snacks. You somewhat complained about the weather quite a lot today, mm. and screamed at me all the way down here because my directions in the car. Shocking. You were screaming. Yeah, at I got me. a bit angry that you, you didn't know your way around Lakeside when you've lived literally on the borders of it. Sure. For, yeah. 25 years. Um, well, well, we digress. Yeah, started <laughs> on each other already. Um, our guest today um, is Charlotte Havley. Hi. You all right? Hello. I'm good, thanks. Good, good. Yeah. Um, we've never met before, have we? And we no, I think so. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> no. Um, and you done a, our buddies podcast the other day. Yeah, that's right. So, Scroobius. how'd it go? It was lovely. We had a lovely chat. We talked about... Uh, music stuff and sci-fi. I just can't stop talking about sci-fi. <laughs> well, this is kind of like Pips, but it's better, isn't it? We're definitely better. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that's the rumours. He probably said that anyway. When yeah. You yeah. Him. Um, your selection and the fact you can't stop talking about sci-fi has been somewhat of a bane for Stuart because I love sci-fi, okay. and when I knew you. Doing sci-fi, and mm. then I saw your top five. 
Shoe got a really excited phone call off me. I shit you not, right? I've never <laughs> heard him so fucking excited. He was going, oh, my God, it ain't even just my favourite five sci-fi films. It's my favourite five films. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was kind of excited. We've done loads of top fives, haven't yeah. we? Obviously, yeah. we've, what was this? This is going to be episode 60 somewhat. Okay. And I would say this is probably my favourite top five. Oh, my God. So, yeah, no it's pressure. good work. No pressure. Woo! You better okay, deliver, Charlotte, seriously. I don't have a problem with sci-fi, right? Um, I won't list anything in your five, obviously, but I do like certain sci-fi films. Mm. Um, all of your top five is very similar to my wife's top five films okay. as well. So mm. I think say, Chris, perhaps she should have just come and, uh, and, yeah. and dealt with this She's one. She's a lot more fun than you anyway, Absolutely, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. So, uh, so what is your top five going to be today? Um, well, it's t- uh, my favourite 80s science fiction films. And I said 80s because I, initially I said, oh, I wrote down my top five sci-fi films of all time. It's too hard. So I, n- I narrowed it down. Why 80s? Um, I, th- I really like the early 80s periods where it's like pre-CGI um, and special effects where the um, effects are sort of handmade, puppetry tactile um, and I think those films that I've chosen haven't dated and they're still relevant um, and there's a lot of 70s sci-fi I love as well but it's something about like the 80s that is just sort of it's my sort of most indulgent era to go to yeah it was, it's, a, it's a great era for science fiction Charlotte I'm going to move your mic just slightly closer to you is that okay please just do must be heard. Um, yeah, it was. It was a period way, you know, before they sort of went crazy on special effects. Yeah. And uh, these movies you're going to talk about, I can't wait to talk about sort of how they went about. Doing yeah, because I think that there's loads of seventies sci-fi films that I love, um, but they're all quite um, maybe a bit culty, like Tarkovsky and Silent Running. Yeah. I think eighties when it the blockbuster was sort of invented and so it's when sci-fi became mainstream but in that beautiful period before it gets too fantasy sure is there um actually the other questions i've got once we get the ball rolling i'm going to ask you because it's in relation to themes i've seen with some of these as well so yeah. um Right, should we get straight in there and Let's do, do it. and, and do, do uh, what's what's your number five? I can't even remember. Oh, here we go. Right. So these are in order from five down to one. Yes. Right. Well, okay. I, well, yeah, I, I I'm going for the Terminator. Right. Um, eighty-four, which is the first Terminator. Yep. Sure. I'm um, James Cameron, um, and. I love it. I mean, I love Terminator 2, but I love the first one because it's uh, a bit more low budget. It's darker. Arnie's just the bad guy. It's before he, you know, he sort of changes character in the second one to almost like the heroic figure. Yeah. Um, But I like it because it's just brutal. It's dark. It's nonstop, like, tension. Um... And Sarah Connor is just like one of the most amazing characters, and and in Terminator, like the first one, she's nineteen and she's sort of young and innocent, and her she's quite 
uh, it's before she transforms to like the machine that she is in the second one, yeah. which is like just completely amazing. Tough as hell. Yeah. Really tough. So it's like kind of before she goes into that journey mm. where she just sort of she just turns wild and like she's a completely different character to how she is in, in the first one. Um, and the journey that she goes on from being sort of feminine, innocent, to being like this warrior woman uh, on a mission to save the earth is just, I, I love it. And I love her as an actress as well. She's just awesome. Yeah, she's a, a, a corking actress. Her story arc is pretty, it's, it's pretty impressive. It's a baptism of fire. I don't think anyone else can really attest to sort of toughening. How did you, how, why, why are you tough? Um, a robot from the future got sent back to uh, yeah. Kill me because my son's gonna leave yeah. the, the alliance. But you said about it being dark. It is bleak. Like I'm, the first <laughs> yeah. time I saw that, I actually was offered to a, a guy babysitted came and looked after me. I was about nine, and he was like, "Do you want to watch this?" And I just looked at the back of the VH case, VHS case. And I was too scared. I was like, "Nope." And it was a few <laughs> years later that I actually watched it. And um, just like the scenes where you've got like the the machine. I'm gonna say hunter killers because everyone knows what they are. Um, it's just some of the machines in the future, and they're just rolling over skulls and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh god, this this doesn't this isn't work hasn't worked out for humanity, has it? No. And I mean that stuff like the future glimpses. Those scenes are yeah, they're really dark and sort of disturbing, but. It's the way that he, at the beginning, he's hunting down all the different Sarah Connors in the phone book, and he's just dispatching them one by one. It's like like a serial killer. It's just cold and brutal, um, and I just love that. And then the scene where he finally gets the the real Sarah Connor in the nightclub, and it all goes into slow motion, and and then he gets like the laser, the red on her head, and then Michael Bean comes in and basically says to her. Uh, something like a come with me if you want to live I'm like that's what every girl wants to hear <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. I wanted to hear yeah. it's like yes like <laughs> robots future like sexy man coming up to me in the club saying basically you're the reason that humanity has gone to shit and somebody's come to the future to kill you yeah so, well, yes, yeah. that was just so cool. It is cool. I mean, he's literally—he's in love with her. He's never met her before. He's pretty—he's pretty much got a picture of her in his pocket, yeah. in his raincoat, creepy, and um, he's he has like, a creepy raincoat, "Yeah, come yeah. with me if you want to live." Okay, sure. Is that a picture of me in your pocket? These days, that'd be—you uh, know—you you get you get arrested for that. But it's, it's so cool. Well, um, I've, I've done some nerd facts on. Okay, it. go on then. So I've, I've had a little look into this. I, I'm, I'm saying the nerdy facts. If you're sure. crazy nuts for the film, you probably know them already. But, uh, I don't know. But I'll throw a few in. So do you know where the kind of idea for the film come around? Oh, do you know Charlotte? Did I'm trying to think. Have a dream? Yeah, he, oh. was, he was filming Piranha 2 at That's the time. That's it, of course he was, yeah. And, uh, mm. and he got a mad fever and, <laughs> uh, and had a really intense dream that he was being chased by... Uh, uh, an alien yep. from uh, from an yeah, that had come back in time to get him, and that was where he kind of come up with the concept of of Terminator. And when he pitched it, this is pretty decent. Uh, it was to, to John Day was the guy that he pitched it to, and Cameron and Lance Henriksen dressed as a cyborg, and the other one wore like a ripped shirt and leather jacket, kicked the door in, wow. and went in and done the pitch like that and apparently just blew the geezer's mind. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Wow. I wish I was there for that. <laughs> Last fact. In, pa- in places, we've done a top five places you want to be back in history. I think I want to be a fly on that wall. I'd love to <laughs> see that as a pitch. But Orion Pictures obviously was involved in all the mm. iconic 80s films and stuff. Do you know who they wanted to play the Terminator? Was it OJ? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That would have been a bit different, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might not have the same legacy now either. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Thankfully, he, uh, he done Naked Gun and left Terminator well alone. So, to, what, had, what had Arnie done? Had he already he'd shot Conan before that, had he? He'd just done a load of, yeah, like Red Heat and stuff like that. Top yeah. off, sort yeah. of, um, caveman kind of Geeks. film. Yeah. And he wasn't taken seriously at all. Like, the, the actors, other actors were kind of like, eh. It didn't take him seriously. They thought that he would sort of lower the tone. Um, but he was absolutely brilliant because he I think he's got like a hundred lines yeah. doesn't really have much to say um, and it's all it's all about his the way that he's he moves and it's so like mechanised but also so like brutal um, it's perfect yeah I can't, I can't really imagine anyone else in that role mm, even his accent no. I think James Cameron said that his accent worked so well because it was almost like the future people hadn't hadn't really figured out and it's, it's how to make you know humans robots speak. As it's void like of emotion, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's pretty stone cold. Yeah. I think. Yeah, totally. Kind of fit him. I w- I wonder if because it was the perfect role for him, like really getting into acting and you know you didn't have there's acting involved in that, but it's kind of like a more reserved sort of way mm. of doing it. I wonder if he'd have been half as big and. Him being where he is now, if he, if he didn't get pick up that role, mm. I think that's that's the film that that completely made him for sure. Yeah, was that before Commando? I don't know. I really don't know. I think it might not have been. Mm. Uh, Commando was like I think maybe the first eighteen I ever watched. I managed to persuade my mum to watch. I had yeah. that on BMX. Stuck it on Bennett. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a shocking film. But yeah, it's, it's not in a Terminator sort of uh, standard, I is Commander, it? Commander. Uh, Predator's bloody amazing. Yeah, it is. I'm not um, sure what year that is. Um, is that uh, eight, 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 or I'm taking a punt at 84, 86. I'd say after. 86, maybe, mm. yeah. I actually watched a documentary of the making of that the other day on YouTube. It's like 20 minutes long. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's absolutely... It's bloody brilliant. <laughs> and it's hard work how they shot, had to make that. They said it was the, the heat out there was ridiculous. Mm. And because actually that uh, where they shot it, it was such dense forest, they had to like... Constantly, thanks, mate. Constantly figure out the angles for shooting. Otherwise, you couldn't see any of the actors because the trees were just all in the way. Right, right. And incidentally, um, do you know who was meant to be the predator? No. Um, he actually went on set for a few days. I think he did the first week. Is it O.J. Simpson? <laughs> 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 it's O.J. Simpson. Um, Gary Coleman from Different Strokes. <laughs> yeah. It's much smaller predator. Uh, that's how they're going to make him invisible. It was um, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. And he was absolutely, he'd done nothing before that, and he really was taking himself seriously. Right. And he was, and suppose he kept on getting into a load of arguments because he wasn't in it enough, and actually then he found out he was going to be in a big suit, and he was not happy that no one had seen his face. So basically, oh, jog on, mate. Yeah, off he went. <laughs> Superb. Yeah, Predator's <laughs> amazing. Superb. Right, um, <clears throat> Charlotte, you've got something pretty spectacular happening at the O2, haven't you? I do. So, 
Yes, it's the indigo at the O2. The O2 yeah. does make it sound like it's an enormous arena yeah. gig. Oh. Yeah, but make no mistake, <laughs> just looking at the people here, it's, it's pretty massive, isn't it? It's mega. Um, yeah, I, I hooked up with um, Mark McCorcoran from the ESA, who's like the senior advisor, technology and mega brainiac, huge brained... Man. Yeah, with ESA is European Space Agency, by the way, folks. Thank that's you. that's the level. That's who Charlotte's that's hanging out with. <laughs> how did that I, uh, come about? Um, well, I did a video for my first single of the, the new record um, called "A Sign" with uh, Gavin Rothery, who's a director. I, I scored his short film, which was like a twenty-minute sci-fi. Yeah. Last Man on Earth, called The Last Man, which you can find on YouTube, and it's it's, it's brilliant. Um, oh, awesome. And Gavin worked on Moon, Duncan Jones's Moon, as like concept designer. And um, wow! So I worked with Gavin. So we did the sci-fi video together because my whole thing for, for my new record was that I want it to be cinematic, and I'm dressed as an alien, and it's all it's all a bit stupid like that. Um, so we did this video, and I put it up online, and Mark got in touch with me through Twitter, which is one of the greatest things about Twitter is that you can have just this direct contact with people. Sure. Yep. And he sent me a DM just saying, I love it. And they'd done a series of short films um, in collaboration with this Polish artist called Ambition. Um, and he said, we'd like to do lots of collaborations with musicians and artists. And... Um, wanted to meet up so we met up in London and Alexander Milas was there in fact they were going to a Yes gig <laughs> to Prog magazine and all these um, prog, proggy science blokes were there <laughs> and um, Alex's promoter so he was talking about putting Space Rocks together and Mark was there and I was there so it was kind of like the first meeting that we had and we talked about it and then I guess a year later they've, they've made it happen so it's in collaboration with the European Space Agency and there's Tim Peake, the astronaut will be there. Um, they've got like panelists from I mean, let's, let's not just pass that one by <laughs> that quickly. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Tim Peake. Peake. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tim Peake. It's pretty, pretty cool. It's, it's funny because when they were start, you know, like, announcing it all, um, you know, they they do tweets with me and the other band playing Lonely Robot and t t Tim Peake, and then you get Tim Peake's retweeted. Um, you know, stuff with my name on it, which is it's weird. I mean, I don't have that sort of um, reverence for musicians. Mm. Um, but as soon as you get into that sort of spacey science world, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, very impressed. Where's that come from? That kind of <laughs> love of, of has it has it come from sci-fi, or, or was yeah. you kind of? Um, my dad is a huge sci-fi fan. He's a massive Philip K. Dick fan. And so I grew up in a house with like, all the books. And he was also uh, Brian Alderson's agent. Um, so we, I sort of grew up in that environment. And dad worked... He actually was Brian Alderson's agent when uh, Kubrick was interested in AI. So which was AI was based on a Brian Alderson short story. Right. And... I said, it's sort of obviously infiltrated my mind in some way. And then I only really got into to films later. Like, I'd, uh, I was born in 79. And for some reason, E.T. and Star Wars just completely passed me by. I didn't... It wasn't until later that I just got into Blade Runner and 
and all those 80s films, but I, I was always into the, the, the darker stuff. And I think because music's my life and job and it, I switch off by, by film and cinema and I don't really listen to music as a sort of, if I've got a day off, I'll go to cinema. I won't go to a gig or listen mm -hmm. to music. Um, so did that... It became a sort of hobby, really. So did that turn you on to kind of what might be up in space? Yeah. Yeah, and I guess the last few years, um, you know, it's come back into culture. So, like, Brian Cox has sort of made it... Sure. Yeah. Uh, ...massively popular. And then Elon Musk and even the Tesla car being launched into space recently... In fact, that was the same day that Space Rocks was announced. And it just seems like we're living in a time where technology is finally caught up to all these sci-fi ideas that I grew up with. Yep. And people seem to be connecting to it a lot more. Um, it's got a lot more relevance. So I suppose what was a bit of a sort of geeky hobby for me has now become quite a popular yeah. popular thing. Um, and it's so accessible. And like that, even, even stuff like having social media where you can watch rocket launches live yeah it's it's i find it really mind-blowing yeah. it is even things like what they've done with technology when the chap jumped out of space he did you know he jumped yeah. out of orbit didn't he to the yeah. earth that's that was is that the Red Bull thing that was the yeah. Red Bull thing it was insane. absolutely mind-boggling yeah that. or indeed you can just look at the the um what, what is it satellite it's just going going around yeah. the earth at any point you can just watch it do that now yeah when it I is, is uh, kind of cool I think it was, when was the first space shuttle? 84? Not sure. Um, but, no, it must have been a little bit before that. But I remember at my, at my junior school, they, they'd done the thing where like, everyone had to go in the assembly hall and they wheeled out some really shit TV. Like yeah, that weighed, weighed a ton. Yeah, yeah. On, on the trolley like they did at school, yeah. like, with a little video underneath yeah. it. It might have been pre-video, to be honest. And then we watched... Did someone just draw this rocket like, launch? Literally, literally, the screen was like the size of... You know, just a standard telly back then. Yeah. And we watched, there must have been like 300 kids all desperately trying to see this little white blip on the screen yeah. sort of go into space. But it was, it was amazing. Yeah. Mm. Like, we'd never seen anything like that yeah. before. Uh, yeah. But that will happen again, but with Mars, there'll be like a, I can imagine a time, 10, 15 years, 20 years, who knows, but where you're sat in front of the telly and you're watching that once again. Because, yeah, that, that wasn't part of my upbringing at yeah. all. Um, so it's, it's, it feels like massive leaps and bounds are happening right now. Yeah. And someone like Tim Peake, I mean, the, the, the great thing about Mark at the ESA is that he's part of his job is to um, promote the ESA through um, connecting to people and making it known, like, all the amazing stuff that they're doing. It's not... He was a part of the Rosetta mission, Um and I guess their sort of social media outreach is so brilliant now. I don't know if you follow the Rosetta on Twitter, like, but it was mm -hmm. like a proper character. It was like a, a tweeting and sending updates. Even the Mars rover on, on Mars is sending selfies. Yeah, it's you crazy. follow it online. So whoever's in charge of that department is doing an amazing job. But when I saw him do um, a presentation, there was all these other missions going on that you never hear about. There's like so much stuff exploring moons here and satellites here and um, they're putting the James Webb telescope up into space quite soon which is going to be even more powerful than Hubble so you've got all this stuff going on that you don't know about and I think it's become quite important for astronauts like Tim Peake 
and the oh, the Canadian guy who did the Space Odyssey video. What's his name? Amazing astronaut dude. Um, no, I, I'm rubbish with my astronauts. We can go with amazing Somebody astronaut dude. Please, Google. Yes. He, he did the cover okay, of Space Odyssey now, and, and on the International Space Station. So, on Sunday the 22nd of April... Yes. <laughs> what... How is it going to... Sort of, Obviously, you don't know exactly how it's going to pan out, but what's, what can people sort of expect from it? Because obviously, there's a, mm. a massive who's who of incredibly bright people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've got, a f- they've got like, I think it's in three stages. So they've got a daytime uh, thing, which is very family-friendly, so it's going to be great for kids. Um, and then there's, like, a panel discussion with Tim Peake and scientists who are involved with um, ESA, I think... The name of the scientist guy is um, Matt Taylor, that's right. Um, and yeah, all these sort of people who are doing like amazing work at the ESA and various other space agencies. Um, and then the evening thing is, I think there's three bands playing, and there's a new band's just been added. Um, I'm not sure who they are yet. And there's a band called Lonely Robot. And, yep. and then. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Me. Fantastic. I'm, I'm sure there's stuff I've left out. I mean, I think there's loads of stuff that keeps getting added to it. Well, we'll make sure that we, we link it in on, on release of this anyway so yeah. people can yeah, this people will get be stuff in and, that. and have a so. look. But I, I definitely recommend going to it. Um, mm. go, what I thought, and I was going to say this earlier about your selection, that you, it's strange that you got into sci-fi maybe a little bit later then, because a, yeah. a lot of my friends, if they didn't catch, get the, catch the sort of bug with it at a young age, yeah. by their mid-late teens, they were just like, I don't want to know any of that sci-fi shit. So you're mm. kind, of, kind of, it's kind of unique to, well, it, yeah, it didn't happen with a lot of my mates. They either liked it young and, yeah. and caught the whole... Star Wars thing, which I did, or yeah. or never never really at all, never really dialed into it. And yeah, it was definitely later. I mean, I was really into the books, and then I think maybe my introduction to it was Philip K. Dick, and then 
having Total Recall and Blade Runner and yeah. all these like amazing films based on his short stories. Um, and I think for my like before I I got started on my most recent solo record, I did a little side project thing called Silver Tongue, which was me trying to release something under a different name because I didn't want to be a, have the Charlotte from Ash thing attached to it, and it was a different sound. It's very electronic, um, and it was very 80s science fiction. So I really just massively indulged in it at that point, um, and watched pretty much every single film I could. <laughs> that, and and it really fed into the lyrics. And then by the time I got around to doing the, the new solo rec- record, I went back to my own name and kept a lot of those sci-fi themes. Thanks. Um, for the imagery and the videos so yeah I guess it's also probably goes hand in hand with the film sci-fi over the last 10 years has just got got really incredible and really amazing and really interesting and so there's like a cool mix of like films like Arrival um, and even Interstellar Mm -hmm. that are huge but have quite complex ideas going on that the blockbusters of the 80s they weren't dealing with like other dimensions and complicated no. ideas it was yeah. like, like aliens is like Vietnam and space um, and then Terminator is I mean they've got a bit of time travel but mm. it's kind of more, it's not really about concepts and yeah. theories and the interesting thing about a couple of the films that I really love that were made in the 80s I mean most of them have been remade recently um, like Blade Runner and mm-hmm. The Thing and mm-hmm. um, Total not only Recall. that it's like Total Re- yeah but yeah. the franchises are ongoing so Alien is ongoing yeah. and James Cameron is actually making another Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, Sarah Connor actress can't remember her name I'm sorry um, is it um oh, oh, Linda Linda Hamilton that's yeah. it yeah. yes well my memory is I wanted to say Barbara. Barbara. Barbara she Hamilton. don't look like a Barbara. <laughs> I know. I think of Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> but that he's re- you know he's doing a new one, which is like really exciting. Yeah. Um, so there's something about those uh, those films that obviously um, there's more to explore with those characters. So it's almost like those films are like action movies or suspense thrillers, but then. That those directors have gone back to them and expanded on the universe mm. that they created, and so the, like the later films with Alien, like Prometheus and Covenant, are much more uh, f- philosophical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, I don't think at that maybe in the eighties they w- that wouldn't have gone down that well. But it, it's interesting what works culturally because I think there was a real thing about like the thing um, being too dark it was like the same year as E.T. and like E.T. is yeah. the complete flip side of it completely but now sci-fi is all dark yeah. I mean it's just darkness yeah. left right and centre and we, we can't get enough of it it's like we love that side of it yeah. well, I don't the, know the, why you, as well as film yeah like um, you, you do get the box sets don't you or, t- or TV series there's been, re- there's been some really solid uh, sci-fi uh, TV in mm. the last 10 years yeah. I mean I think when they redid Battlestar Galactica I was really impressed by that I thought that was dope and, and there's there's more recent ones as well um, yeah Black Mirror for me recently oh. has been like especially the most recent series on yeah. Netflix has just been amazing yeah. and it's like Twilight Zone weirdness yeah 
surrealism. That's a great shot. It's it is. Very dark. Yeah. Should we, uh, should we do a number four? Let's do it. What's my number four? It's the one that CT's um, oh, ugly, yes. haunting. The thing. I can't believe you got my nerd fact in before I got to do it. Oh, what, what, sorry. What, 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 what it was, was it? it was because everyone loved ET and didn't want any oh, darkness and it come right, out two weeks right, later. Right, well done, right. no, Charlotte. You spoiled that one for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just love the thing. Oh. Just love it. Um, I love everything about it, really. I don't even know where to begin. I think... For me, it's all about the horror of those special effects that are still disturbing. I mean, they still, it still gets me. It's just horrible. And the way that um, it's all model making, it's all uh, like different materials put together. I think was it was uh, Rob Britton, I think was the guy who did the special effects. I don't the, know. The, I never the remember The special effects was um, Stan Winston. Stan Winston. I think Stan Winston helped he, out. Oh, right. But primarily it was Rob Britton. Okay. But I might be wrong. Because that Stan Winston done a lot, didn't he? Not just yeah. this. He'd done Aliens, Predator, Edward Scissorhands, Jurassic Park. He's yeah. Like obviously American a Werewolf and Busy. Paris. Really? That That's your favourite horror yeah. movie, actually. Yeah. Not Paris, London. Oh, London. My yeah, of course movie. it is, yeah. 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 The thing, I think the first time London. I saw it... The What's that? It is American World in London, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, they did do Paris as well. They did Paris. do a Paris. Yeah, yeah. Paris yeah. was kind of much later and it yeah. bombed, didn't yeah. it? It didn't do very well. I meant London. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, right. So he done the, the big hand. Yeah, and yeah. The, yeah. Oh, that man. won awards, didn't it? That transformation scene. That was pain, that looked pain, that's so painful. That's how it looked. It's the sounds and stuff in that as well. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, great soundtrack. I'm going to look yeah. it up because I've read it down. That, um, I can edit this out. The, but the, the, the special effects in the thing absolutely scared the crap out of me. I think I was probably like 15 when I first saw the thing, or 14. And um, just the, the scene where he's got, he's trying to resus resuscitate the guy. Yeah, and he goes to put collapses. the, yeah, his chest collapses and bite and opens up, doesn't it? And oh, do, you know, do you know what, Harry, who he got to do that? No, go on. He, uh, the, the, the this is a treat, you doing some sci-fi research, dude. So, the guy Winston and uh, the director yeah. knew someone that had no arms. Oh, yeah, oh, I've read this. And they used, they used the guy with no arms yeah. for that scene. Yeah. It's go. so dark, yeah, it is. Mm. Um, but, the, I mean, it was one of John, John Carpenter's, right? And he's done yeah. some other wicked ones. He did another one, and I'm, I'm bloody... I can't remember... The name of it. He did in the Mouth of Madness, which was a few. That was like in the 90s with Sam Neill, and it, it formed part of his Apocalypse trilogy. And there's the third one, and everyone's going to hate me for get for not being able to remember this. What was the first one? The Twilight. Well, no, it was uh, in the Mouth of Madness. Was the last one. You had the thing, and around that, Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. Yeah. And um, that was uh, that was that had some actually quite forward-thinking um, ideas that. in that about the size of. Um, the depth of infinity. Um, it's mm. a bit HP Lovecraftian, which is what the thing is as well. It's, right, based, right. it's loosely based on uh, the colour from space, or uh, right. um, which is uh, which was a book that HP Lovecraft wrote or story. Um, but the the the, uh, the the music in it, the score is just so but good. It's, it's not Carpenter, is it? No. It's partly Carpenter. Well, he got Eddie Morricone to write a load of stuff. Yeah. Morricone was knew that he was into electronic scores so he just wrote a load of electronic stuff and sort of said use it 
as you like. And he, he wrote the main theme, but then Carpenter sort of went off and with someone else wrote a lot of the score. Oh, really? So a lot of the Morricone stuff wasn't used, but he released it as the, as the soundtrack. Yeah. But I think it, the main theme is the Morricone theme. Right. I think Car- John Carpenter just wanted... Um, I mean, he sort of does most of the music to his films. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So he wanted that. He knew exactly what he wanted. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's kind of amazing to, like, I think he really wanted Morricone to do it and then to not use it. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the work of a legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's oh, that serious <laughs> self-belief. Just yeah. go, ah, oh, Morricone, yeah. nah, I'll do it myself. But, you know, he's got some good previous with film yeah. scores, Carpenter, and sort of was very much like a DIY guy. He would, you know, yeah. d- like get stuck in on his scores. He wouldn't go yeah. crazy on all the time on budget and stuff like that. Prince yeah. of Darkness mm. is quite a cheaply made film, really. We yeah. had um, Mark Moore from S Express on, didn't we? And he counted yeah. down his top five film scores and he just went in on Carpenter mm. and Morricone, didn't mm. he? It was, it was nice. interesting chat, that one, wasn't it? He was... Yeah. Uh, that yeah, it was a, a cracking one. Mm. Didn't expect it to be quite as... He, he just went in, didn't he? And it was yeah. Yeah, pretty That's exciting. Cool. When he said it, like, Morricone and, and, uh, and John Carpenter, we were like, oh, right, great. Yeah, we're, we're on board with these. The other ones... He did use Cerrone, he'd done Supernature and stuff like that. Right. But it was all kind of stuff from, like, obscure kind of Portuguese erotica circa 1969. And it was like... We're meant to be putting a playlist together for this on Spotify. Where are we going to find that? Well, funnily, he hadn't seen some of those movies. He just liked the soundtracks yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, the, I, the thing probably might be my favourite horror film of all time as well. Yeah. And it just sci-fi. Have you, have you watched it, a lot of any of these movies you've sort of like, will you watch these regularly or is it sort of like something you re- remember fondly but you don't go back to that um, I've watched the thing, yeah, quite a few times. <laughs> um, I'm not a big horror movie fan in general um, like uh, I'm not huge into Halloween or other sure. those classic Carpenter films yeah. um, and uh, the other thing for these sci-fi films it's not it's not really about the sci-fi elements I mean it's about the, the intensity similar to the first alien it's a small group of people mm-hmm. in an isolated place in brutal conditions, so they're in the middle of freezing cold, uh, or you're in the middle of cold and unforgiving space on yeah. a spaceship, and there's just a nasty creature. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to, but then I love the way that they reveal the um, alien aspect through watching the videos of the Norwegian team sort of discovering the spaceship and the ice and sort of excavating it. Um, it's not like a uh, out and out obvious sort of alien spaceships in your face mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but however, the horror is absolutely in your face yeah. in terms of the um, special effects and the actual like the du- the duplications going on, and that it's so uh, well done. And I think they had like a really for the time, really huge special effects budget that was kind of unheard of, um, and they and they look amazing, and, and I think they stand the test of time because it is handmade and it's uh, tactile, and people are actually there sort of creating this stuff rather than it being done. So the actors are like responding to it, 
rather than it be done in, in post or whatever. Yeah, it's physically there, isn't it? And yeah. you, you will always, well, they're getting good at that now where you're almost like, I'm not sure if I can tell anymore. Because there was a period mm. over, after the golden age, like animatronics, where it's like, that's so shit. <laughs> that my my suspension of disbelief ends here in the movie. Yeah. But they were kind of like, even though it is phenomenal in the thing, they use it correctly, and you know, and and there's a lot of suspense in it, which is supported by the theme tune. Yeah. But even because it's almost like a whodunit, isn't it? Because you don't know who might be the the yeah. thing. I love that idea yeah, of your yeah. your second guessing, and and the person's not just like a, a murderer. They're this brutal alien that. Yeah does some really funky stuff to you if it gets hold yeah, of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you see that did you see the what happens with the follow up which was actually a prequel? Did you did you watch that? Um yeah. I did watch the remake. I don't really remember much about it. I didn't really like it. Yeah. I thought I must say I thought it was alright. Um but I, it was just really gonna be difficult to sort of get touch the thing. And they did they went yeah. the sci fi uh, they went the uh, CGI way with the special effects, which right. was alright actually. There was some pretty disgusting stuff happened yeah, but, uh, yeah 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 I mean I just think you can be so much more inventive um, when you're actually making something mm-hmm. or or even actually when you've got budget limitations you yeah. can create some really incredible stuff definitely um, and you're left to you're left to do less is more sometimes if you go right I don't have that much money I'm going to use it I'm going to use it sparingly in this way and leave more to suggestion yeah. like look at Jaws for example the shark's in it for like seven minutes so yeah, yeah. You cra- you're all petrified all the way through it but you barely see it so yeah, it does force yeah. that creativity in direction yeah, yeah. Just the imagination of those effects, like having the, the head with the like sort of those disgusting massive spider legs, <laughs> and like the scene, with the first, the first freaky scene with the dog going into the kennel and when it, oh, oh it's so disgusting, yeah. and the sound design around it is um, still really like visceral, and I don't think I, I haven't still haven't seen anything like that. I mean. Maybe slightly like Nightmare on Elm Street kind of effects, yeah. but for that time it must have absolutely freaked people out. Yeah, and people just didn't get it at all. Yeah. They didn't. They either thought that it was like a bit. Well, I think Alien had been in '79, and people thought, oh, it's just trying to up the ante, trying to be as disgusting as yeah. that. But forgetting that the actual script and the screen and uh, the script and the characters were so well written as well um, it's just an intelligent bit of filmmaking which I think maybe people just got sidetracked by the, the disgustingness yeah. didn't yeah. really get it and the ending is really bleak I mean everyone dies it's so good <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah>. spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> or do they it's, um, or it has, do they the, yeah. the last few lines in it are really good it's yeah. weird you, you mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street. Apparently, they're, they're, that's being remade at the moment. Again? Mm. Oh, I don't know if they remade it already. I thought they re- did a rerun of it I a couple of years back. Yeah, they did. It was awful. Well, I imagine, yeah. Maybe just leave it and come up with a new premise. Yeah. Which, incidentally, was a dream that um, Wes Craven had. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. It was a combination between a nightmare of this dude, scary dude, chasing him, and unf- like a homeless dude that he'd seen who was wearing a striped jumper. Oh, and he had this right. nightmare, and that actually what he, he sort of like developed Freddy Krueger from a combination of those two people, basically. Yeesh. Hmm. Who you got for number three, Charlotte? Tell me. 
Oh, um, sorry, that is my handwriting is bad. I, look, trying to read it upside down is. You got me. I'll give you a clue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> aliens. <laughs> Zzz. Um, yeah, aliens, which I think was uh, eighty-six. Was it? Um, yeah, eighty-six. Um, so yeah, the sequel to Alien, James Cameron, and I think the story of James Cameron getting involved is that he was working on. Was he working on the Terminator, and then he? Yes, it was. That Terminator got shifted before. back, it got shifted didn't it? Back. So he started writing um, Aliens. That's right. And they, the studio said, look, if Terminator's a hit, then you yeah. can direct it. And it, it was a hit. Um, so, yeah, what back-to-back genius. Because Weaver weren't up for it, was 80's she? 80s, absolutely you gold. Scorny Weaver weren't up for it, apparently. What, doing a, doing a sequel? Mm. Really? Yeah. Uh, and is uh, this something you read today? I want to hear. Come on, what is it? <laughs> so, on. What's your research? Tell us, mate. Well, she got 35 grand for the first one. Right. right. She got a stone-cold one million for... Aliens. Four million for part three. For a hair shape off. Eleven million for resurrection. Oh God. She probably uh, spent all that on drink after making it. (laughs) What have you done to the she 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 went up for it. It took him a a lot of convincing apparently to get her on board. Really? Mm. Well I kinda get it, because Alien and Aliens are quite different and and critics so Aliens again is a film I've watched it so many times Mm. and I was just such a fan of that. The whole thing. I even went and read the comics after it and all the canon. I was absolutely beside by it. But the critics of Alien and Aliens is they turn the alien into cannon fodder. So what you had in the original was, like you say, the suspense of this one thing hunting down a small thing. And by Aliens, it was America versus, well, as you said, like Vietnam. But um, I think that's, I I, I think it's so well written that it doesn't matter. I think it's an unbelievable blockbuster. Yeah, no, the first one is like, it's a very claustrophobic, small set. And then the second one, it's just, it's, it's a big budget, it's wide open. And her character sort of is much more developed, she's got more of a sort of emotional journey with the young girl, Newt, and she has the sort of this connection with the alien where they're both mothers which is really interesting I think motherhood is a real interesting theme isn't it yeah and so she gets to sort of um, be a a more sort of rounded uh, character than the first one yeah Um, and it is just non-stop action it's so intense Um, it's just such a brilliant action film. It's, it's and one of the best sequels just ever. Certainly. I yeah. absolutely love this film. Yeah. And for an action film, she didn't want to carry a gun. Really? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, she, she was really anti-guns. Yeah, and um, Cameron took her to a shooting range, and uh, and, and she kind of liked it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so halfway through the movie, she's like, okay, let's do yeah. this. Oh, oh really? Yeah, she, she didn't want. She didn't think it was right yeah. for a yeah. character to have a gun. Well, I quite like that because she, yeah, she's surrounded by soldiers, mm. and like she's the one who is a bit. I mean, that's not her world as yeah. a character. Yeah. So the fact that she ends up being like this complete badass mm. <laughs> of all yeah, time, with yeah. a massive flamethrower, 
um, massively tooled up is brilliant. And, you know, she's carrying the kid, she's carrying all this tech, and she's just such a strong character. Um, and I think her character just completely changed the, the sci-fi genre, because at that point, um, there just wasn't anyone. I mean, the Linda Hamilton's character, Sarah Connor, didn't really get to that point until Terminator 2. Um, and then she turned into like just no bullshit, mm. um, and it she it wasn't meant for the male gaze at all. She didn't care what she looked like. Mm-hmm. It was, there was no love interest. You have, I mean, interesting. Both of them have Michael Bean as like the interest. You know? Yeah. Uh, he, I love his character in Aliens. It's like so cute the way that he's yeah. showing her how to use the gun yeah. and. Um, so brief, very brief love affairs, both yeah. of them. That's not in any way defining the character. Definitely not. A it's bit of flirting. Like a walk yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hicks. And it's, I mean, they are, you think about the Star Wars now and um, Hunger Games, Jennifer Lawrence, like big, strong female characters. Um, I don't think that had been the case until and, and if you think of, you know, that time in the 80s, that was big, muscle-bound, blockbuster, alpha male. Mm, yeah. And it, it was. That mm. was what was going on there. Stallone, Arnie. Yeah. And, you know, there was Van Damme. And yeah. There, there wasn't powerful women yeah. fronting films. No, and I would say, I, I genuinely mean this, because we, we did a top five with... Um, uh, a girl called Rebecca Crow not that long ago did top, top five kick-ass women in history right. and I was chomping at a bit hoping she'd do uh, in film because Ellen Whitley I think is the best hero action hero yeah. full stop I yeah. think she like her story arc and how she was kind of reluctant mm. and as you say by the end of Aliens she's sort of like going to do something insanely brave for this mm-hmm. um, this young girl that she's only just met I yeah. think he's absolutely badass. Yeah, yeah. And I think they set up one of the best payoffs in any movie is at the start of one of the first, near in the start of Aliens, just before they set off, you have this cute little scene where uh, they're trying to load up this dropship with ammo. And she's like, can I do anything? And they're like, oh, she's, she's like, I can use one of those power loaders over there. And she uses it, moves it around, and looks pretty cool. And you just think, oh, that was a cool scene. And you don't realise there's going to have any relevance mm. in this movie. And then the crescendo of this film, you know, just before it all goes tits up for everyone, yeah. these doors open and she's in the power loader. And that's just cinematic genius. Like, yeah. Every time I watch that, I'm like, that, the best action hero ever. I think her story's brilliant. Wait, Sigourney Weaver, I think that's why she beats Hamilton. I think maybe she had more to do with the role as Ripley. You, know, you follow her a lot more, maybe. Well, I she's don't know. more sympathetic. I mean, she's vulnerable. Yeah. Um, you get her storyline with her daughter. You get a bit more of a backstory. Um, mm. And you feel like she's so emotional. Like the, the, the one thing I love about Alien is the way everyone's so, like, on edge, everyone's frayed and frazzled, and they're yeah. all shouting at each other and they're crying hysterically. It's a really natural response to that yeah. situation, and I feel that in um, Aliens, she's the one. I mean, you get like these military people like massively toughing it out, and mm. then you get the horrible, slimy corporate guy, yeah. Burke. Yeah, and she mm, retains her humanity, and you, 
even though she's like really such a powerful figure, she's very vulnerable at the same time. Um, and that's that's what I really like about her. Whereas I think with uh, Sarah Connor, she's not that likable. She's a bit of a rubbish mum. She kind of has forgiven she, it, hasn't she? She's kind of let go of it because she yeah. knows what she... Like, I guess she knows that the entire fate of humanity rests on her yeah. sh- her ability to do what she's got yeah, to do. She's whereas Sigourney, driven and focused yeah. and it's all about that yeah. one thing. Whereas the whole thing with aliens is that she uh, almost dies for this for this little girl mm. um, and it's, it's not about the other people for her yeah and I think there's something a lot more emotional that you can connect with her a lot more um, and then you know the thing with Alien is that these these ideas have obviously stayed with Ridley Scott that he because he did the first film and he's gone back to them um, like massive philosophical questions about where we come from and what it is to be human and and I mean Terminator throws that up as well like this idea of you know in a sort of future nightmare where AI's taken over what does that mean for us and sci-fi is just a great place for us to explore these ideas and the darkness because we might well be faced with this situation who knows yeah who knows? I like Robots to think they might take, be take over. as tooled up as Sarah Connor. <laughs> I mean, definitely would get that buff. <laughs> I think. In the apocalypse. And I love, I love that... Um, I'm, so, I'm going off uh, talking about Terminator now, but I love that apocalyptic dream sequence that she has in, in the, the second one. In the one. second one, yeah. Um, i just really drawn to apocalyptic dark... Vibes. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, well, it yeah. features heavily in the next two. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. Well, your number two taught me depression. Right. Literally, I remember seeing that and uh, and going, "What is this feeling?" Mm. And it was utter. Oh. It was. It felt. It was desperation and and like hopelessness. That's so, very sad. Yeah, and I love it like yeah. now, but it was tough. It was a tough watch as a kid. I was like, yeah. "Oh my god." Yeah. So, yeah. What, what is number two, Charlotte? It's Mad Max. Road Warrior. Um, so that's Mad Max 2, right? Mad Max 2. Yeah. So the first one, oh, I think it was 79. Yeah, it was. Which is the same as Alien. Um, and I really love the first one. The second one um, is, I, I wouldn't even say it was big budget. It's, it, it, I mean, it sort of expands on that world a little bit, mm. but he's he is like this sort of lone warrior. He looks cool as fuck. I've got to say, I mean, the biggest draw for me when I first watched Mad Max was how unbelievably sexy he yeah. <laughs> And that leather outfit. Yeah. And it's just beautiful. Yeah. And like, this sort of monosyllabic, brooding, tortured soul. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like a tiny hint of morality about him. Um, because, you know up to like the middle of the film he's, he's basically out for himself he yeah. doesn't give a fuck about anyone and then he has this opportunity to help these people in exchange for what he really wants which he just wants fuel to, to go off on he doesn't really want to let anyone in yeah um, but again he has that little relationship with the, with the little kid and these little sort of moments where you think there's something in there um, but then at the end he sort of turns his back and he's just 
on his own. And it's something very, I find quite irresistible and quite romantic about it. Um, and it's, I was talking to a friend of mine about this and they were like, it's not really science fiction, is it? Because in his opinion, he was like, science fiction is a, it's kind of genre which has to have philosophical elements of okay. science fiction in it. And I guess with Mad Max, I mean, it's about what happens when society falls apart and there's no rules um, in a sort of post-apocalyptic yeah. future. Um, uh, but it's sort of, I, some people call it future primitive, mm -hmm. where it's about how you, we would regress back to a sort of primitive uh, state where the only thing that is important is food yeah. and fuel in mm. this instance. Um, and I think the thing with Mad Max that I love is the comic book violence. It's just so horrific. It is. Yeah. That, that metal boomerang. Yeah, man. That, that little kid's throwing around. I love that bit where he catches it and his fingers get chopped oh. off. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's yeah. a like, particular Aussie humour. My dad's Australian and there's a whole load of like, Aussie sort of exploitation era films. Yeah. And there's something about the humour in Aussie films that I... I really respond to, and there's elements of it in Mad Max too. Yeah. Well, he's, he's Peter Jackson. Where, where's Peter Jackson from? He's New Zealand. Yeah, I don't know if he's taste in all films like that. Yeah, brain dead shot. That. is yeah. he's brain dead shot in New Zealand, yeah, isn't it? I believe. Gross. Watching it the other day. Yeah, splat, um, splatter. was <laughs> it? Was I think it's quality. I think there's an artistry in how creative yeah. they are with chopping up mm. bodies in a gory way. I don't, I, don't I sound like a psychopath like that? A little I don't bit. Know. A little bit, yeah. Do you, do you want some little nerdy facts? I've come and sprinkle them over, Stu. Sprinkle them over. It does tie in with what you were just saying, Charlotte. Mm. And you were saying about, like, it, it was actually the Australian film board mm. that right. pulled so much yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah. Right. And there's never been, like, an uncut version released. Right. But they reckon there was so much removed from that final cut oh that was, God. like, gratuitous. And, wow. And, yeah. Because they got a commission from them, didn't they? I think to bankroll it, something right. like that. That's why they had so much influence. They had extra influence because of, I don't know if it was a film board. It was inve people, investors surrounding that. So they were kind of like, this is too much. What are we doing this, here? And at this point, Gibson won. The Mel Gibson that we knew. Let's not say that we know now, but the one we knew. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, post lethal weapon and God mm. knows what. Um, so his part in the trailer was minimal in America because no one really knew he was right. mm -hmm. and, 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 and he wasn't a draw. Oh, there you go. Is that what for Mad Max 2? Because yeah. I, I do, I definitely feel there's a, there is a shift in tone in Mad Max 2. Like you say, the budget isn't, I mean the budget for the first one's about, I could yeah. finance it with what I could find down the back yeah. of this chair now. Yeah. And the second one is more. But by the time Thunderdome comes along, mm. he's well established by then mm. as a, Right. Big Tina Turner's in there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah. Pulled in Tina Turner mm. for mm. Christ's sake. Yeah. 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 There's, there's mm. elements of Thunderdome that I, I really like. Yeah. But his character loses its um, edge. Yeah. I mean, he sort of finds redemption, and there's, you know, there's hope. Yeah. Whereas I quite like the fact that Mad Max Road Warrior is just um, self-preservation. Yeah, and it's feel. I mean, it's bit like the road is almost like it's just brutal yeah um but the way that it looks i mean just looks incredible yeah. and the the 
cutting and the editing is so ahead of its time. All the stunts as well. It's incredible. Real, yeah. And probably like, really dangerous to be a yeah, part of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I really, really loved the remake. Um, I think the remake's in, in my top ten films of I, all time. I, I agree. I was, re- I was interested to know what you say about that. Because I loved it. Because I'm a big fan of it. And it, I've seen it probably three times now, that remake. Mm. Um, and it's solid. It's, it it so doesn't. Good. They don't try and do. They're creative with the plot and the the, the the set designs and the characters in it. But they don't try and go too too far with it. I don't think. I don't mm. think it's too Hollywood. You've got right. some big scenes like with the sandstorm and stuff like that, which is about as Hollywood as it gets. You know, yeah. with special effects. But the rest of it is quite true. Or a lot of that is still. All you know, all the race, all, all the on the road and that. That's all just stuntmen doing yeah. a lot of that, which is. You get that vibe, that danger out yeah, of watching definitely. it. Yeah, definitely. And it, and it, again, it. I mean, I love um, Mobius um, and Jodorowsky. Those comic books that have like surrealism, fantasy. Uh, a lot of them set in the desert. And for me, it just makes me think of of that. And it really, the, the way it looks was so gorgeous. Um, and it was just drew me into that world I just want to be there I want them to do another one did you hear about all the beef between Tom Hardy and um, Charlize no yeah they do not like each other I know well there was talk of a furiosa sort of offshoot which I'd love to see which would be amazing because she is fucking awesome badass one armed bad motherfucker I love her in pretty much everything she does and I love Tom Hardy as well so that is a shame yeah, I don't know if the money's right. It'd be, I'd like to see them both get back back together because Fury Road was yeah was very solid. Yeah. Right, before we hit the top spot, right, we're gonna have a little a little nerd fact quiz, right? Oh, so okay. Charlotte, yeah, go you got all clever earlier and said I only had about a hundred lines in Terminator. Oh, no. <laughs> um, how many did Gibson have in Mad Max Two? In Mad Max Two. Yeah. I'm gonna say thirty. 30. Yeah. Christopher? Oh, it's going to be less than that. You've, you've underpinned I think it's going to be less, actually. You think it's less than 30? Yeah. I'm going to say 50. 16 lines. Oh, no! Yes! <laughs> yes. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well done, Charlotte. You win. That gives you the right to uh, announce your number one. Okay, well, it's going to be no surprise, but my number one's Blade Runner. Um, <laughs> Blade Runner for me is like having a favourite book. I just re-watch it yep. endlessly, and I never get tired of it. 
I always find something new. Um, and I think, so Blade Runner's like 82, is at the same time as The Thing, uh, and E.T. Set in 2019. Y- yes, yeah. coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, We've got to hurry up with those hover cars, man. <laughs> but you think about the way it looks, it is leagues ahead of can I, can everything I else. Tell you something about Blade Runner, right? I've got saying a nerdy fact, I've, right? Yeah, go on. I only saw it for the first time on Wednesday last week. Lucky at, you. At Secret <laughs> Cinema. Oh, okay. Are you got tickets? No, no. Charlotte fucking hell. Okay, alright. It will blow your fucking socks oh, okay, off. Okay, cool. I can't really say much, can I? Because I don't want to give it away. They create something where it... Have you been to any Secret Cinemas? No, I haven't. Oh, I want to kind of... I can't give too many spoilers away. <laughs> it's raining indoors. Mm. And you are in the film. And it's unbelievable okay um and yeah and if I it's your number one it? i would 100 percent recommend okay. is going. it cold no okay fine <laughs> <laughs> i like to watch it because then i feel cozy watching it because that's happening to deckard <laughs> and not me <laughs> yeah just yeah. don't want to be wet and cold <laughs> no they give you umbrellas all right fine mm. um, i'll check it out oh yeah no i should um i mean it's another instance for me of like just having the hottest for harrison ford I mean, come on. My well, I mean, wife fancy sat him. there throughout the whole film nudging me going, look how beautiful he is. Look how beautiful <laughs> he is. And I was like, God, I have this every time I watch Star Wars and now I've got it for yeah. Blade Runner as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is a beautiful man in that film. He, he really is. Um, and he's just brilliant. And the interesting thing, because like, I've watched it so many times and I've sort of come around to the fact that he's actually a bit of a bastard. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? Like, he's not... I think when I first watched it, I just thought he was the, you know, he's the hero. Yeah, he's of course. The, he's the main guy. And then the more, as I've got older, I just relate more and more to Rutger Hauer, the Roy Batty's character. Who's cool and as fuck in that Who film. is also cool as fuck. Mm-hmm. And, and I sort of, the, um, his relationship with, uh, like the love interest story has become a lot more complicated as I've got older as well. Um, it's like different layers to it, um, so it, it keeps. It just keeps. It's there in me all the time. That film and and the way it looks is just gorgeous. It and hasn't dated. It hasn't dated. He's created something with again. I mean, it had a budget, but not like not that much. And he made the lighting and his use of smoke and the way that they built. I mean, again. These are sets that are being built, like so. The, the first shot of the film, the spaceships and mm-hmm. going over this futuristic Los Angeles, is is made of models, and and that's like human love and attention has gone into that film that you wouldn't believe, and you can you can feel it, you can see it, um, and I love that about that film. They were really smart with the budget. I was saying this to Stu that the rain was used for that. They as well, used wasn't the it? rain to help cover up the cracks on yeah. the set and, and the actually smoke. now the rain and smoke are something that they're hypnotic really aren't they i mean yeah. i get that a lot in films but I, it's weird the movies i'll sort of have on the in the background will be the ones that are more atmospheric like that yeah. and blade runner is constantly raining in uh, well with like the tokyo scene and the yeah. market scene and that and it's um dark yeah. and it's dirty and it's not like a sort of glossy future I mean, it's just it looks old and sort of junkyardy yeah um 
and yeah it's dark and miserable yet I want to be there I mean I want to I want to live in his apartment and have that balcony yeah. step onto the balcony and see this like future city yeah. um, I just there's something about it is that it's almost like I've dreamt of it you know when you watch something you're like that's I feel like connected to it mm. somehow um, more so than the other films in the list really that's the place that of all the films I would want to live in Blade Runner even though I'm sure it would probably be quite horrible yeah yeah but uh, you know come on right let's list your others no right, no one's putting their hand up to go and leave your Mad Max 2 <laughs> right no. No, no, like, no, I'm All happy with that being over yeah. there um, then yeah the thing I mean no, I don't know no no thanks no. Um, Alien. aliens no way pass yeah, no, none, none, there's no positive outcomes. Blade no. Runner as well, it feels within reach because, okay, you've got cars flying around, but replicants look like you anyway. Yeah. It was a lot about the, the sci-fi concepts in what they were doing and mm -hmm. how they were mm -hmm. catching the replicants, yeah. which was cool. So it's not a million miles away. I mean, it's, it's only it's a year away now, yeah. folks. We haven't got long to wait. <laughs> no, it's completely um, possible that everything mm. in it will happen. Mm. Um, and again, it's exploring those ideas of like, what is it to be human and what is it to be a replicant, but to have emotions. And um, these are all like, you know, I have friends who actually studies like f future philosophy and right. um, futurism throws up all these um, moral and ethical problems that some people, some, somebody's got to think about these things. Um, and that's definitely something that we'd have to deal with. Um, like what happens when AI takes over all our jobs and what happens when AI sort of becomes such a normalised part of our lives and do we sort of humanise them or, you know, the humans are so... As soon as we put a sort of human emotions or characters onto anything, we, we sort of soften towards it. But mm. who knows what, whether it will be a malevolent yeah. thing or not. Well, yeah, I mean, Tesla and... Um Sorry, Elon Musk and um, Stephen Hawkins, um, God, rest his, God rest his soul, um, they wrote a 15-point plan recently on AI and said, mm. look, if you're create wherever you are in the world, we should all be agreeing to these 15 um, points as a, in terms of a safety net to stop really moody shit from happening because like um, um, I don't know if it's Bill Goats or Stephen, no, Stephen Hawking said listen AI is a credible threat <laughs> to us because you know once the, the ability to how quickly pro computers can process information says it could be a massive benefit to us because it will start solving problems at rates we could never imagine we will be going from driving around to teleporting probably quite quickly but the credible threat is why would they why do they need us if they're thinking for themselves yeah. like any dominant intellect often just enslaves the rest of every other species why would AI be any different so Elon Musk and that are literally like there's a 15 point plan we're trying to get everyone to agree to mm -hmm. before go, going away and doing it so it's definitely it's, it's real we're starting to touch touch on it yeah mm -hmm. and, then, and actually it explores those ideas which, which aliens does as well like her, Ripley's suspicion of uh, suspicious Mm. Uh, of Bishop mm -hmm. um, it's like that slight sort of uh, techno-apartheid sort of racism towards that um, 
the AI with being like, no, they sort of amongst us, but we don't know who they are, which Blade Runner is all about as well. But the AI in Blade Runner are completely sympathetic. I mean, they just want to live. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, so it just opens up all these uh, just great sci-fi does um, philosophical problems. Yeah. And keeps you thinking about it. Yeah. Can I ask you, what did you think of the new one? Um, I really liked it, and I thought it was beautiful um, to look at, but I, f- I found it quite cold, um, okay. and I didn't really have much of an emotional response to it. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> so it didn't, it didn't knock you back like the original? Um, no, maybe I need to rewatch it. I mean, there's something funny about watching like. Harrison Ford in a film now you're just like I can't separate yeah. it it's like oh yeah. it's Harrison Ford when I see interviews with him these days I'm like oh Harrison you were this strong amazing hero and now it's a little yeah. bit orcs watching you basically. but I, I get the impression you really loved the remake and he didn't really enjoy his experience making yep. the first one I think he mm. fell out with um, Ridley Scott um, I think it was a difficult process so I think he obviously got a lot out of the, the new film mm. And there's like loads of good stuff in it, but there's nothing. Yeah, there was nothing new that that blew me away. That blew you away. Yeah, I loved it. I genuinely thought it was, you know, as good as the original. Like, right. I thought the sci-fi, how where they took the uh, AI and the sci-fi concepts with the hologram and stuff like that, and yeah. drew up new questions about robots loving AI and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or since robot loving replicants loving AI, I, I really did dig it. Um, so I, I think they really haven't destroyed it. You know, and no, that's, definitely that's what I always worry about. I'm like, no, definitely not. Um, and I, like I said, I just visually, it, visually, it it's was, insane. It still really got to yeah. me. Um, I mean, the, the original's got the Vangelis soundtrack. Yeah, the greatest sonically, thing of all time. it's incredible. Yeah, oh, Vangelis and then his Hans Zimmer with Ben's Holes Fish or something like that did the second one. Yeah. yeah, but the second one just didn't. I don't know. It didn't. It didn't. Didn't move me in a way that I wanted to be. Moved. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, that Vangelis soundtrack is complete, is incomparable. Mm. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Okay, well, before we let you go, any other honourable mentions for uh, sci-fi um, films you want to throw in? Robocop. Brilliant. Yeah. And I really like the remake. Actually, I thought that was that was really good. Yeah. Um, Back to the Future. Not oh dark, because all your others are dark. Oh, like, I, I found that really interesting. Because mine are more more adult like that. Yeah. Um, but they're loads of light ones. Yeah, you got Back to the Future, Weird Science was sci-fi. Weird Science. It's fucking amazing. Do you know what? We Weird watched that with the kids the other day. You let them watch that, really? And uh, and I said, to, I said to my missus halfway through, I went, you could not get away with making this no. film now. The whole concept of like oh, these yeah, young yeah. underage lads creating this woman yeah. and like sharing with her and stuff. It was like they never quite have sex with her though. They're too intimidated by a raw. Was it um, Kelly LeBrock? Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. She yeah. Was, yeah. I'd have probably been intimidated if I was a fourteen-year-old. Yeah. But you're yeah. right. I don't think they could do it. There's loads of quotables in Weird Science, but I'm gonna throw Flash Gordon in there. It's shit yeah. and brilliant. Oh, it is. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. Tron. 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 Mm-hmm. Tron stylistically mm-hmm. really massively influential and I'm going to obviously throw all the Star Wars films in there yeah yeah, yeah. Um, The Fly as well yeah, Fly, fly oh god brilliant. that's really dark that one 
Because that's a horror, really. That's science yeah. fiction horror. There's no way to it's no way horrible, we cut it. Yeah. Actually. Again, final <laughs> scenes break my heart and disgust me all at the same time. <laughs> Fly's brilliant. It's really rough, man. I remember my mates talking to me about Fly. They're like, yeah, and then he's just sick on this dude's arm. And, and I was like, I don't want to watch this. It sounds horrible. And I watched it and went, okay, this is horrible, but also brilliant. It's all yeah. that body horror type stuff, yeah. isn't it? Like Videodrome, that was... Video was it Videodrome? That was, that was 80s, wasn't it? Yeah. Alter States. Alter States. I love Alter States. It's I from you saw that was sci-fi, but... From Beyond? You ever watched those? Or yes, yeah, worth worth a watch from Beyond. Yeah, yeah. This sci-fi. It's all like that HP Lovecraft, in which is a sci-fi horror, really. Mm. Um, that's good. There was one I watched I'd never seen until recently. It was on Netflix. I was like, I haven't seen that. Why? I felt bad that I'd not seen it. It's called Life Force, and uh, effectively, um, I had heard that uh, throughout it as well. There's just this woman who's just the main antagonist is just a naked beautiful woman I was like oh, okay I'll give yeah, this a try I mean, why not <laughs> <laughs> I mean I missed it and I love sci-fi that was my excuse yeah. that, was, that was pretty good as well but I think my favourite my favourite film is um, Solaris which I think is seven well who knows what year that is 79 maybe yeah. uh, Tarkovsky which is based on the book um, yeah. which I fucking love that film yeah I've got loads of 70s films that I love actually um but yeah, there's something about those '80s that those five that are like just never get old for me. Yeah. Never get old, and obviously haven't for anyone else because they keep fucking remaking them. Yeah. Or continuing the franchise. Yeah. yeah. There's something about them that people return to. Fantastic. Shall Amen. I, apart from the 22nd of April, which is yes. Space Rocks uh, in the the O2. Yes. What else you got coming up? Um, I've got. A yeah, got a Long Division Festival on the 2nd of June. Um, but at the moment, I'm touring with a South African artist called Nakane. Um, his album's out this week. Um, and I'm sort of musical directing, playing guitars and keyboards with him. So doing a lot of touring with that. Um, and then I'm releasing a new single from the Solo Records around Space Rocks called Hook You Up. So that'll be out around 22nd of April as well. Um, so I just sort of balance my solo thing with playing with other people and it's like a it's sort of it's cool actually I, I get to sort of do the touring and the travelling and play with these amazing musicians and then that sort of enables me to be an independent artist and release my stuff whenever I want to superb yes well you also mentioned you love the idea that Twitter means everybody's really accessible now yes so we're going to tag you in all of these posts and so uh, our listeners can then our listeners can then um, drop their top fives in there you got it wrong you got it wrong obviously so yeah tweet in and 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 yeah let us Charlotte know what your top fives are Charlotte thank you so much thank you thank you for having me cheers there you have it there's the end of Charlotte's top five Uh, Charlotte thanks so much for coming on thank you Thanks to Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen for letting us record there. Yeah, shout out to Love Beer, our wonderful sponsors with Charles. If you like craft beer, you need to go and check out Love Beer um, for all your sort of like alcoholic beverage needs. Yeah, and he's, he's been a guest on, on several Seven. times now, so go back and have a little listen. Um, if you like guitar bands and indie type outfits, which we do... Because we've had a shed load of them guest. We've mm. had. So on our back catalogue, you can listen to interviews with the Maccabees, uh, Hugo Block White. Party. Yeah, Block Parties, Russell. Yeah. 
Um, who else have we Mike had? Joyce from the Smiths. Oh, yeah, just a, just a little one there, yeah, one yeah, of the Smiths. Don't forget that one, yeah. Um, blimey, uh, Mark Morris from the Blue Tones. Yeah, Johnny Dean from Menswear. Yep, uh, the Milk, Death of Guitar, Pop. Oh, we. Fill the, your boots. Every time we do this, I know that we're missing one. Yeah. Oh, Justin from Elastica. Yeah, oh, yeah God. Um, it's on our very first ever podcast, wasn't it? Yeah, that? absolutely. Oh, and that other musician, the um, weird one with a beard. What's his name? Twatface. Yeah. Uh, Screwbiz Pip, he's been on, oh, he's been on loads, way too many now. Um, yeah, so go and have a little look through the back catalogue, and there's lots of goodness to be enjoyed. We'll see you soon. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast.